This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. At time of recording, we are almost at the end of this very, very weird and, for most people, horrible year. So I hope you keep checking in with your family, with your friends, and just be kind to everyone as much as you can. As you may know, each pod, I check in with a very special guest. We have a natter about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we'll discuss it. My special guest for this episode, listeners, is Alex Oyebola. Alex is a vent champion and works in education. Alex contacted me about writing for vent because her sister Abby is a very dear friend of mine. Me and Abby went to secondary school together and was one of the few people who showed me kindness and stood up for me when I was being bullied and probably couldn't stand up for myself. Alex is just as independent and self-confident as Abby is and was. However, she has had experiences of anxiety throughout her life and at times has had her cries for help belittled and has even been gaslighted for it. Anxiety, faith, resilience, the black experience of mental health and educating others about mental health are all on the menu for today's episode. This is how our conversation went. Alex, welcome to the Just Checking In pod. I've been looking forward to this so much, not just because I know your family will listen to it, but also because you've been on such an amazing journey in your life so far. First off, we are recording this just after Christmas. So how was it for you and how have you been coping with this generally horrendous year we are living through? (laughs) Do you know what? I feel like even though the year has been terrible, not terrible for, yeah, terrible for most people, I'm trying to focus on the good things that have happened this year because you do want to just remember everything that was bad but a lot of good things did actually happen this year so yeah just focusing on that I think Christmas was all right it was actually pretty good to be honest we're still able to spend time with my immediate family some people literally were by themselves so you still have to you know be grateful that you were able to spend it with other people I'm looking forward to next year I don't think any year will be perfect. That's the thing. That's just how my mind is. Life always comes with ups and downs. So yeah, I'm excited for next year and for everything else that it's going to bring. Yeah, what about you? So at time of recording, I've I've already felt a little bit better than this. But again, like you say, you know, it's really great that you have that kind of life mantra and it's not something that everyone has. I've tried to make the most of it as well, you know, with the podcast and trying to do loads of series and trying to interview loads of guests and try and help people. So yeah, just been trying to make the most of it for sure. We've got that out of the way. Shall we just get started? Let's get straight into the podcast, Alex, by talking about your own journey. So why don't you talk me through your early life first, your teenage years and adolescence. And looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Alex we meet here? Okay, to be honest, I feel like not a lot, not when I was really young, I would get a bit anxious sometimes when we would fly, because my family, we would fly quite a lot. So we'd go on holiday quite a bit. We had family around the world. There was just a point where I used to get so afraid of flying. And it was very random, because my parents would be like, what's wrong with her? Like, to the point where I would be screaming on the plane. Like, what's wrong with this girl? Like, is everything okay? That's the only point I would say that I was a bit anxious. But other than that, I was quite a outgoing kid. Everyone that knows me, that went to school with me, they wouldn't say, oh, yeah, she was shy. Like, that's why it was such a 
big moment for me because I was like, this isn't like me. My friends are like, what have, like, what's going on with you? So yeah, as a kid, I was cool at, at church a lot. We would have a lot of performances and stuff. I always wanted to be the main person. I always wanted to be on stage. So yeah, I was always quite outgoing. The only points I guess I would, I, would ha- I was anxious was like when it came to flying and things like that, or like the normal things kids are scared of, like rides and <laughs> things like that. But yeah, nah, that's it really. Before we talk about the article you wrote for Vent in more detail, was school something you enjoyed and, and managed to get through without too much trauma? I remember me and your sister at the 86 bus stop just having conversations about how she was going to deal with how much sash you had as a year seven. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. My goodness. No, school was cool. I feel like it changed as the years went on. I think in year seven, I came with a lot of energy because my sister was already in year 11 and she was quite popular she was very popular actually in 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 our school so I knew like no one could really test me like you're gonna fight me like my sister's gonna fight you so you know I came with the vim like I was ready that was quite silly but yeah so I was always on it but I wasn't really I don't know where that came from to be honest I guess it was just the confidence that she was there obviously when she went it was like it changed I still stood my ground and stuff like that but school was cool, but as the years went on, you do come across some hate and just as school is, you know, everyone has their issues. Me and my friends, we've had our own arguments with people. People be mean, like kids are mean. Like <laughs> kids are very, very mean, especially when you don't look like everyone. Or even like we would be called like the holy girls because we were like Christians and stuff like that. And that was a bit weird, a little bit. I was just like, okay, but well, we all go to Christian school. So what are we talking about? Like, what? I'm confused. But um, yeah, I guess we it's just the normal stuff that most kids do go through. I feel like we all have our fair share. Some of us are mean to other kids as well. You know, I'm not going to say that we weren't all perfect and stuff like that. But yeah, it had its ups and downs, I would say. But by the time I got to year 11, I just wanted to go. <laughs> so I feel like you probably felt the same way. I just wanted to go because our school was a... Uh, uh, yeah. It was tough. It was tough at times. You really had to fight your battles. Everyone was on it a lot of the time. So yeah, I think by year 11, I kind of just wanted to go and just start fresh somewhere else. Before we dive into that vent article, I just wanted to also ask about your fear of flying. Looking back, do you know where that originated from? Or was it just something you just generally felt quite anxious about? So when I was a kid? Yeah, I, I really do not know. The thing is, I was fine before. Be cool yeah let's go on holiday all of a sudden I don't know maybe I just came to the realization that like this could crash you know <laughs> we could die that's probably what it was like I just realized oh I'm in the air when you know more information you get more scared I feel like so that's probably where it came from but then I was okay then it came back later but obviously we'll speak more about that later in the article the article itself is so beautifully written and has a real academic quality as well running all the way through it you talk about your experiences of social anxiety in situations like having to speak in front of a group of people and also examples of catastrophizing and creating irrational situations where you would come to harm like your fear of flying I guess if you could just tell the listeners a bit more about these examples and how they affected you and your mental health so to catastrophizing I guess it was like Something that's so small, it will become something huge. Someone coming a bit later from work would become, oh my gosh, something has happened. Like, where are they? It doesn't make sense. It's just like, there's probably traffic. Do you know what I mean? That's just a, a normal way to think of it. But your mind will tell you something's happened. So you start getting anxious. Your heart starts racing. And like, with the fear of flying, I feel like 
as I said before, when you get older, you see things happen or you you experience certain situations and it's like, life isn't promised. Do you know what I mean? And I remember, I think an incident happened in like year seven or something. Was some, one of my friends got really hurt. And I was like, wait, this is crazy. Like, life isn't promised and things could just happen out of our control. Like, we can't control anything. And I think that's when it started. It was like, okay, cool. My mind started playing games. I was like, okay, everything is a bit dramatic now. I don't know if speaking about it people won't understand but if you've gone through it you understand do you know what I mean it's like yeah I get that I get that and there was a social anxiety I don't know where that came from because I was very outgoing but I think it came from a lack of trust of people when people let you down or like you know you realize everyone isn't who they say that they are it's kind of like I want to protect myself I don't want to show who I am because people won't be able to appreciate me basically and just caring about people's opinions way too much, wanting to be perfect. So you're like, okay, I know I'm not perfect. I, I might mess up what I say and people are going to think this and that of me. So I'd rather just not speak at all. When you got to your A-levels, you tell a story about being in a lesson where you had this realisation about anxiety because a teacher was reading out all the symptoms and you had this slow realisation about the symptoms you might be living with. Can you tell me a bit more about this story? So do you know what's funny? I wasn't actually supposed to do psychology at A-level. I was meant to do textiles. So I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I was very, my parents were on board. Like I was very for it. Got to school. They were like, oh, you can't do textiles anymore. I was like, oh, excuse me. (laughs) They're like, no, you can't do it. We're not running the programme. There's not enough people. And I was like, okay. So they were like, you can sit in in these lessons and you can choose which one of these subjects you want to do. So they're cool. Psychology was probably the first one I went into. And I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. Like, I've got a whole degree now in psychology, which is quite funny, but I was never going to do it. So I got in and that was a cool lesson. So my teacher, she she's absolutely amazing. And yeah, she was just going through it. And I knew about mental health, but not like that. So when she was explaining it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is a bit, like, this, I generally, I was like, I feel like I have anxiety. Like, because it makes sense. Because before that point, I just thought I was crazy. Like, I'm actually crazy. But the way she was describing it and like she was just reading like the symptoms and it's like heavy breathing and irrational thoughts and things like that. I was like, I think this is what I have because in A-levels, it was just so extreme. I feel like maybe I had it earlier. I just didn't know. It just wasn't as bad. But when I was at A-levels, I was like, this is, I think this is what it is. So I feel like I was a little bit relieved. But then at the same time, it was like I self-diagnosed myself. So I feel like I let, like I said, this is what I am and this is what I have. So for a long time, I just accepted it as who I was instead of actually trying to work against it. So it was like, yeah, so I'm anxious. So I'm just going to have these thoughts and this is just what I do. Do you know what I mean? Instead of actually saying, okay, how can I get better? I don't want to stay in this space. You said in the article that the jump from secondary school to sixth form might have been a trigger for your anxiety or at least a a severe part of it as that was the most challenging period for your mental health. I'm sure everyone will agree that jump is hugely stressful. Tell me about this period of your life and how your anxiety began to deteriorate a little bit. So going to a new school, not with my original social group for primary school. No, I went to secondary school with my primary school friends. So I would have friends. My sister was there. And then sixth form, I went with a few friends from school, not my closest friends, but, you know, they were friends at least. So that was uncomfortable already. Okay, I'm not really with my squad. And then it was hard. <laughs> A-levels was hard. And I think three seconds, I was smart, so I kind of just got away with it. But then when I got to A-levels, like, I really do need to study. Like, I need to actually try. I need to go to uni. And so it was just a lot of pressure. And I feel like even now, I try and work in terms of not getting too overwhelmed 
because I have a lot of things going on and I have to be organised unless I get overwhelmed. And that's still now. So back then, that was just a lot for me. It's like, oh, all these subjects. And, you know, it was crazy. And I think you're just growing up. You just realise you're not a kid. And I'm September, so I, I turned 17, 18, way before everyone else. So it's like you're getting older and there's big decisions. Do I want to work? Do I not? And all of this. So I think it was just the realisation that life is real. And then I guess that's maybe why the anxiety got a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why. As you were going on this journey of mental health discovery, I should say, Alex, what were the tools and techniques that you found helpful during this period that helped you manage your anxiety? You mentioned breathing techniques in your article. Just tell me about this and any other tools which helped you. I watch a lot of YouTube, not now as much as I did back then, but that's when I really discovered YouTube. And one of the YouTubers I watched, she had anxiety. So she was actually going through like seven tips of what helps her. And her breathing technique was like, you know, breathing for 11 seconds and or like breathing for seven seconds, breathe out for 11 seconds and it will help you like control your heart rate. And my issue with that was mainly, especially when I would start exams. So I'd literally walk into the hall and my heart would be pounding. And I'm like, how am I going to remember anything if I can't get my body to just like behave itself, like calm down? So that was really helpful. So I started doing that. I would sit in, in the exam and I would just start doing the breathing techniques and that really just slowed my heart rate down I was able to just go ahead that was really good and then just a lot of journaling so I think I journal a lot now still but in A levels is when I really just started journaling I've always had a relationship with God in that sense but I think when I started journaling it was just me being able to express my feelings out on paper and I'm quite good at writing even now I'd rather write than speak <laughs> because I'm very good with my words and my article is well written guys <laughs> but I'm, I'm very good with my words so when I'm writing out I can express myself very well so that helped a lot in terms of not keeping things in and getting them out I'm trying to think of other techniques I think journaling and the breathing was pretty good try to speak about it with other people wasn't always helpful yeah it wasn't helpful at all really um <laughs> And I guess just a lot of prayer as well. Just pray a lot about it. And that kind of helped me get through A-levels, I guess. We get to university now where you did study psychology, even though the fact that you kind of fell into it, if that makes sense. At this point, you were gaining control of your anxiety and sort of growing as a person. Who's the Alex we meet at this point? I'll say, do you know what? First year, it was better in terms of I was out there, I was having fun. But even then, like there'll be little moments. I remember when I started my seminar classes, and I wouldn't speak to anyone in the class, only like one friend that I made earlier. And it wasn't till like maybe a month or so after I started just speaking to the other girls in the class. And one of them said to me, oh, like, you're so nice. But in the beginning, you just seem so standoffish. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I'm not, I'm the nicest person. She was like, yeah, I was like, oh, no, because I'm just, I get anxious around people. So I kind of closed off. But to them, they were thinking, oh, she doesn't want to talk to us. And that's when I realised, oh, I still have little things I need to work on, even in like circles, like with other, like when there's a big circle, I wouldn't really want to put my hand up and say the answer. So I knew there was still little things I need to work on. And it wasn't completely gone. Even in the beginning of uni, like, I was so homesick. There was times where I was quite down. Like, I was like, mum, I just want to come home. I can't do this. <laughs> I was quite down. Like, my mum would just be like, just come home. Because it was really hard for me. The day my pet, like, everyone went, I could cry. I was like, I don't know where to go. That was a bit scary in that sense. Because it was like, I'm by myself, basically. So I have to really figure things out. But yeah, so it wasn't perfect. I was better than A-levels especially in terms of my irrational thoughts. I wasn't scared about 
I didn't catastrophize anything. You can't really, because uni's wild. So you can't really just do crazy stuff. Yeah, I still knew there was little things I had to still work on. When you came out of this poor period of mental health, what do you think you did learn about yourself? I think I learned that I'm not invincible. I feel like a lot of people just think, oh, I'm not going to go through anything like that. And it's not true. (laughs) It happens to a lot of people. I had to really look back into my life and think about loads of situations that may have happened or may have triggered it or childhood stuff or anything. Just actually think, where did this come from? Or why am I like this? Or what has made me this way kind of thing. So really like self-reflect. It just helped me learn like, I don't know, we're really emotional beings. So learning how to control my emotions, not letting my emotions control me. And it helps me understand other people better, sympathise with people that struggle with mental health. Because now I get it completely. And I understand why people act certain ways. So I'm not quick to just jump on people or judge people. And just like, I want to help other people. Do you know what I mean? I want other people to know that it's not, because in your head, like with anything, with depression or anxiety or any other like mental health or just your mind in general, it can play so many games with you and it can tell you so many lies. So I want people to know that they can come out of it because it's hard. Like life is hard and the mind is real. And I want other people to be able to overcome as well. Mental health and the experience of mental health certainly isn't a monolith. And you said in the article that you didn't speak to many people about your mental health when it was in a poor state. And a factor was the black community's attitude towards mental health. For the listeners who might not be aware, just elaborate and educate them on this stigma for me and the complexities about mental health within the black community. So just for my own personal experiences, I feel like for a long time in a black community, mental health just didn't exist. (laughs) It was just like, it doesn't exist. It's not real. You're being dramatic or you're exaggerating, or it's just, it's completely a spiritual thing. Like, I always actually think about the countries back home. How will they react to someone that is depressed, or that's dyslexic, or, like, if you said, oh, I'm dyslexic, or I have a certain... Do you know what I mean? How would they react to that? What would they say? Would you get the help you need? Would they recognise it? And it's quite sad. So... Yeah, I think that even the statistics for like young black men is like, especially like the suicide statistics are ter- like so high. My friend did a whole dissertation on it. It's a real thing. But I think now it is better than it was. It is better. But I think more in the younger generations, but the older generations still, it's not as recognised. And it's quite sad because years can go by and then it's just, oh, someone's committed suicide. And it's like, you know, if this was spoken about a lot earlier, maybe people would get the help that they need if therapy wasn't such a taboo or even like speaking about stuff and not keeping secrets. I think even in the community, it's like keep things to yourself. Don't let other people know. Don't show weakness. And it's like you can get help. So I just don't think it's as accepted. One line which really stood out to me in the article, Alex, when it comes to how you framed some of these attitudes towards mental health in the black community was this, quote, on many occasions with love, I was told, You guys are too young to be dealing with mental health issues. What do you guys even go through that makes you depressed or stressed? Are you paying bills? Do you have children? End quote. Could you expand on that a little bit? And what impact did hearing those words have on your mental health? So that, (laughs) so that quote is real life quote, to be honest. And it's just the idea of you don't have responsibilities in the minds of older generation. It's like, that's the only reason why you should feel that way. <laughs> stress is like a mental thing. Like stress is actually a, a real issue. 
And it's like, why? Do you know what I mean? And it's like, people get bullied. Bullying is a real thing. It hurts. Do you know what I mean? Like, people go through real life situations. It doesn't have to be related to children or... Yes, these things are very stressful. Yes, they are big issues. But you don't start getting issues when you have children. Like, you know, even explaining that people are depressed at uni or people are lonely. It's like, why? Why are you depressed? Because well, you're alone and there's no one there and you're just staring at four walls. So that really kind of irritated me because I was like, don't downplay what we go through because we do go through stuff. Like we definitely, like kids go through stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, I felt like my issues were being pinched basically. And it's like, no, I could feel it. It's real to me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's real to me. So don't tell me that I don't have a reason to be stressed because I do. I don't, not now, but I did. After you shared that article what was the reaction to it what feedback or comments did you get and do you think some of the stigmas you outlined were perhaps broken down even just a little bit because of the article you wrote or is there a lot more work to do do you think I'll answer your first question which was well how was the reaction the reaction was really good actually a lot of my family read it a lot of my friends old friends new friends friends from church things like that and people really loved it. People would say like, oh, I got a, I've got a new insight on how it is to have anxiety because people never knew. People were like, I didn't even know you went through that. I was like, I know, you know. <laughs> but yeah, people were like, oh, I feel a lot more educated. And even it's just a, such a small article. That's not even the in-depth, do you know what I mean? But people like, I feel like so much more educated. People feel like they understood me better as a person and family members was just like oh like thank you for sharing and I feel like it definitely did make people more aware and like at least for other people as well because even though I'm more at the end of it and it's like I've overcome it's like they now know oh this is real if they see it happen to a colleague or someone else they know that okay this is real because it's happened to someone close to me which is good I'm happy about that because it's like you need to take it seriously and I still think there's a lot of work to be done I can't do it (laughs) you know I'm just one person. (laughs) I can definitely help, but I do think there's still a lot of work to be done because it's like we're teaching the older generation something completely new. Because to them, they probably think it's just bogus. Like, what are you talking about? But it's real. And a lot of them could have gone through it and not known and just thought, yeah, I'm just sad or this is normal or whatever. So I do think there's a lot of work to be done. But I do know that the younger generation are working, especially in the black community. They are working really hard. There are a lot of people that are talking about it. And yeah. So hopefully more good things come. And how did you feel after you shared that article? Anxious, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I was proud of myself, to be honest. Obviously, like, my family already knew I was writing about it. And people close to me, some people close to me knew that I was writing it already. So it wasn't like it was going to just come out of nowhere. Like, oh my God, what's this? Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I was excited. I was proud of myself for actually being open. I feel like I was very honest because in the beginning I was like, okay, let me just write, let me just write something. And oh, hey, Freddie, here you go. <laughs> but um, I was like, no, let me be real. Like if I want to write something, let me be real about it. And this can actually help other people. Even with just talking about mental health, I remember I was speaking about my flying, my fear of flying and telling one of my friends like how I overcome and he also had a fear of flying as well. And he said, oh, I, I went on a flight and I just took some of your tips and I just had the best flight ever. And I felt, and I was like, oh, like, I was just speaking like, do you know what I mean? It was like, no, it really helped. So I knew that, okay, this can help people out there. So yeah, I felt proud of myself and I felt like I wanted to write a bit more because people are like, oh, you're actually a really good writer. And I was like, oh, might write a book then, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Like, I was so happy for the opportunity, man, to actually talk about it. And because 
I love psychology. Like I want to teach psychology. So it was fun. And just finally on this topic, Alex, if there's anyone listening, black, white or otherwise, who may have gone through what you've gone through, what message or advice would you give them from your experience? One, I would say is don't make your mental health problem your identity because it can so easily become your identity and it's not it's not who you are it's just something you're going through but you will overcome I would say definitely try and find things to help yourself so my thing was my faith at uni like I had such a good church community I had people around me that were always my family are a big part of it and people just always show me love and having a real relationship with God and just speaking to him and helping him help me understand what was going on and actually overcome and helping me not believe the lies that I was believing before so and journaling and doing things that you love so I would say that definitely find tips and do things that can help you ask for help don't be quiet about it I feel like if I spoke about it earlier I might have got more help it might have been easier to deal with but then it's also finding the right people to talk to as well because some people won't help you but just knowing that it's not forever and you will overcome yeah you'll be all right One thing I want to discuss with you in depth, Alex, which you've mentioned a little bit previously, is faith, which is something that's so important to you. As you said, you were your social group was the Holy Girls, even though I find that pretty weird. because We went to a religious school, so everyone was in some degree sort of holy. But there we, anyway, I want to have a real warts and all discussion with you here, which you kind of mentioned a bit in your article. So let's start with the positive side first. When did your faith begin and how did your faith help you and your mental health? Okay, so I've raised in a Christian home, so I've always been Christian, always gone to church since the beginning of my life. So I was always part of a church, always part of a church community. But I feel like, I don't know, I didn't really, I don't know, it's really hard to explain. So I feel like I've always known God, like some people would say like, oh, I had a relationship, I don't know. But um, I've always felt like I've known God, but it wasn't very deep until I got to second year of uni when I was 20. I was just tired of first year and I just... I had the fun and I was, yeah, went out and, you know, did stupid stuff. Do you know what I mean? And I was just over it. I just felt like it was time. And I always knew I would have to get to that point where it was like, I'd have to just really just take it seriously. And I just knew it was time. And I was just like, okay, I'm done playing games. Let's just do this properly. And I was able to find a really good church in Leicester, my church imprint. I still go today now. So we have a branch in Leicester and a branch in London and just found such amazing people and I had a lot of stigmas about church and church people and I was just like all these they're just cringe and boring and do you know what I mean that's how I was now just oh I wasn't for it but I just met such great people and it was just different kinds of people and it just wasn't just black people it was white people Asian people loads of different kinds of people and they were just nice genuine and yeah I really found like a church family there loads of literally majority of my friends are from there and it was nice. It really helped. I was able to talk about my anxiety with them. And some of them went through very similar things. They were very open as well, which was nice because I knew I had a safe space to speak. So people would be open about their issues and I could be open about mine. And yeah, so then that's when I like I really took my, my faith seriously. And yeah, that's where I am now. And when you have been in difficult moments with your mental health, when do you turn to God for guidance or strength? And how do they help you if they do? just pray literally like I pray while I journal so I journal a lot as I mentioned before I journal a lot but yeah you do just pray because I know that it's not his intention for me to have these irrational thoughts or things like that so I'll just pray about it like speak about it 
I really don't struggle with it as much as I used to. But even in them really bad times, I'll just pray a lot or speak to someone around me because a lot of people were very big. Like we have a podcast too, so we've actually done a whole series on mental health. And yeah, there's a lot of people that had gone through it as well. So being to other people and seeing how they, they've overcome. But yeah, just a lot of prayer and a lot of journaling really. Like you said, you're involved with your church quite heavily and gospel music and gospel culture in particular. For you, when it comes to the community aspect of faith, of your faith, I should say, is that almost as important as your relationship with God? Yeah, definitely. The church itself is the community. People think the church is the building, but it is the community. And it's literally in the word it it does talk about spending like doing your life with other people you're never meant to do it isolated it's of course you always have a relationship with God but you should always be around other people and you should always share that with other people so I do think community is definitely a big big aspect of it of course you can have a relationship with God without having a community but that's not how he intended it so I do think it's important to have people around you that are in the same faith and that understand it. And when it comes to who you spoke to or opened up to about your mental health first, was that God? And if so, what was that like? Um, Yeah, it was definitely God. And I guess it was like just writing down how I felt, knowing that I wouldn't sound crazy, <laughs> knowing that it was a safe space, just like, oh, like I'm really frightened or I'm about to get on this flight. I know I'm really scared right now. Just protect me. Do you know what I mean? And things like that will just get me through like just get me through the flight and then I'll be fine because literally I'll be fine until I got on and then I'll just be a mess and then I'll get off and I'll be fine again so just literally speaking about the moments that were to come or what was making me scared and just saying oh just get me through it and help me and it would put me at peace sometimes like most of the time it would put me at peace but sometimes we kind of let our own emotions take over but God always did protect me obviously nothing ever did happen to me but yeah just literally just I guess mostly just for protection and seeing me through it. Let's talk about the darker side of some aspects of faith and I guess religion as well now Alex you said in the article quote in the black community the causes symptoms and solutions for mental illness have sometimes been completely attributed to spirituality Findings from a study about African-American men and women's attitude towards mental illness found that their attitudes suggested that they were not open to acknowledging psychological problems and would prefer religious coping to seeking out to mental health services, end quote. Tell me a bit more about this and the mental health consequences it could have in the black community around faith and religion. In our faith, obviously, spirituality is a big big deal and something I do definitely believe in. But I think sometimes people's mental health states would be completely spiritual. So it's it's an attack or these things can happen, but it's more like it's a someone's against you or do you know what I mean? It's very extreme. But then it's like, no, that might not be the case. You might just be struggling with your mental health. And the reason why that sometimes becomes a problem is like you've completely crossed out any other method that could help that person. And God is so big that he can work through therapy he can work through counseling of course I do believe in healing power but that might not be the way you're supposed to receive your help and you shouldn't cross out anything else completely there's nothing wrong with counseling there's nothing wrong with you know I really do believe in therapy and stuff like obviously I study psychology I really do believe in therapy and it does help and it does work for people and you should allow people to choose how they want to receive their help because some people can literally you just need to pray and it's just fine and they do that for a long time and until it gets really, really bad, it's like, oh, okay, now we need to take you to the doctor because it's like it's out of our control. I think everyone should be open and allow God to work in other ways and not just in the ways they would like. And I guess to not be 
ignorant to the fact that mental health is real and anyone can go through it. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. Just building on that pray away in inverted commas sort of stigma. Do you think there is a tendency or attitude within either the faith community or the black community that if someone does make a recovery from a negative period of mental health, that others might attribute that success purely to God and not that person's mental strength or resilience or the therapy they've received or medication? Mm. Do you know what? I think the thing is, is that, I don't know, it's, it's quite it's quite a difficult situation, but I do believe in miracles and I do believe that people can be transformed instantly. But even, as you said, with the other things, the therapy and whatnot, it's like that can still be God working through other people. So it's just, I guess, not putting God in just a small box. And as I said, wanting him to work in one way, wanting it to be a just a prayer and go away. So... Yeah, I'd say just not putting God in such, such a small box and just not, not understanding that he can work free therapy and other things like that. So, yeah. In recent years, obviously, you mentioned you've done the podcast on faith and mental health. Have you seen attitudes in the black community and the faith community as well start to change when it comes to mental health? And if so, in what ways? Yeah, definitely. I do think I've seen a lot of not only in my church, but a lot of just other churches and preachers speak about depression, speak about mental health and come to the realisation that it is a real thing, it is a big thing and it is a thing that people go through and it is a thing that God can help you out of. But I've seen a lot of preachers talk about going to therapy and things like marriage counselling and it is becoming a lot more, a lot less of a taboo, I, I would say. It's a bit more accepted because people that are, I guess, would be seen as, you know, higher up, they are accepting it and they are going for therapy and stuff like that so I guess people would be more open to it which is a good thing and over to the idea that it does work (laughs) it does work and it may not work for everyone either you know some people may just pray and it does completely go away but yeah I think it is a lot more accepted now and just finally on this topic Alex if there's anyone listening to this pod of faith who might be skeptical or might be not as willing to believe in mental health that it exists and people should get the treatment they help they need when they are struggling what would you say to them I would say that they should I don't know maybe speak to other people that have gone through it speak to people in their community and get an understanding of what it actually feels like and how it is to go through those kind of things and just to maybe read like literally read more about it you know actually see the symptoms and the characteristics of it and actually get a more deeper understanding of what it is and knowing that it is more layered there is a lot more to it and just understanding that God can work in many many ways like you can't just attribute him to just one way so he can work through many many other avenues and yeah I think just really trying to do research for yourself yeah I'm not saying don't believe in what you believe in of course but have an open mind to try and understand other areas. Our final topic of conversation, Alex, and it's one I try and have with all my special guests, which is a general natter and chat about mental health. So firstly, and you can you can definitely include circumstances if you want, how would you say your mental health is at the moment? I think it's great, uh, a lot better than it was before. I've learned a lot and I've matured a lot. So yeah, I don't struggle with a lot of the things I use. I remember I was explaining to someone before, like, oh, like before I used to be scared to like walk under this thing because I think something could fall over. And I wasn't laughing about it, but I was just like, right, like, I've actually come so far. 
and yeah like even with flying and stuff like that like you know I could still get a bit oh, okay I'm gonna fly but I just I get on with it and I just move on with my life do you know what I mean so I do think it's a lot better I'm learning how to control my emotions a lot more because sometimes I can just be dramatic and just down and like something could go wrong like oh I remember I think I did one of my driving tests and I didn't pass and I was, came home I was, like, I was so upset my family were like it's okay like it's all right you're gonna be okay and I was like no I'm just so sad and just not allowing myself to get to that place not letting my emotions control me so yeah I think I'm I'm in a way better place I hope I don't have to meet it again but yeah I'm happy I'm good you've spoken about your anxiety so we've got that question out of the way what age do you think you were when you first realized that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind and a product of your mental health do you think a levels <laughs> so yeah literally 16 because other than to that point I would have never thought it was in my head like I would have just thought like I'm just scared or I'm just extra or do you know what I mean like I used to always be scared of rides like even now it's not really my favorite thing and I never would go on it and I was like no I can't like I just can't do it and I never knew it was because I was just anxious other kids could do it but I just couldn't do it but it wasn't because I wasn't at six thinking oh yes because in your head you think that do you know what I mean I just thought oh I'm just a scaredy cat so yeah probably six form when I actually did get an understanding and apart from flying and social situations what things do you find in life that trigger your mental health so this could be something someone says to you it could be a sound it could be a sensation what can you tell me here i just say really like difficult situations that i can't really control so like if something bad's happening to someone around me or things like that that i can't really do nothing about and it's just like oh this is really sad <laughs> like or just like when things happen randomly that you didn't expect I think that can throw me off a bit. It's just like, oh, I don't see that coming. Just real hardship can put me in that place where it's like, okay, now I'm just, I'm really down. But yeah, I guess just really bad circumstances, I would say. And apart from journaling, your faith, and I guess in some ways, breathing techniques, what other tools and methods have you found in your life to improve your mental health? And maybe which ones that you've tried, but haven't? Okay, so fitness. I'm really into fitness and eating good and stuff like that. And I gave up sugar for like a month. And I feel like I just felt so much better. <laughs> I just felt so good. I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go work, I'll just be happy. Like I know, I think some people have actually attributed sugar to like anxiety and things like that. So when I did give it up for that month, I genuinely did feel so, I physically felt so much better. So just health and exercise. I know a lot of people that I know just say, they go for runs and it makes them feel so much better. So when I'm being healthy and I'm eating the right things, that definitely helps me feel better. Like it makes me think better. So yeah, fitness is something I'm interested in. Not always 10 out of 10, but working on it. And just, I love music as well. Music really helps me. I can be in a bad mood and just play music and I just feel better. It actually works hand in hand. So music, I love music. I love singing. Yeah, I think those two things are things that I'm really passionate about that help. That's great stuff. And I'm completely with you. Whenever I discover a new banger, I just puts me in a good mood just for like the next hour and a half. So it's such a great endorphin rush. How do you support friends in your own social group, Alex, who may have mental health issues themselves or might just be going through a poor period of mental health? I think I like to listen to people. I hope that I create that space where my friends can just come and speak to me and just be open. And yeah, I like to listen to people and just speak life back into them and just encourage. I'm, I'm a really big encourager. Encourage them, pray for them and just like help them any way that I can like if I physically can help you I remember one of my friends she was really stressed out while she was reading her dissertation and 
So I was like, okay, let me actually help you. Instead of just encouraging you, let me actually help. So I literally would find her articles and I'll oh, use this. And I'd read through it and I'd actually took the time out to help her, actually help her, not just say, oh, you know what I mean? So if I can physically help you, take you out and just try and be a good friend, that would help someone else. Yeah, that would be a way that I would help out someone else that was dealing with it or just being open about my own experiences and how I overcame. And just finally, Alex, what more do you think we have to do to ensure people from all backgrounds feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or their mental health if they want to? We as people that do know about it should speak more about it openly to start more stuff like more blogs and stuff like that and ways to encourage other people on YouTube or even like what you're doing with Vent it's amazing so just more things like that where people could talk about it and just normalize it so that it's just not a a weird thing like oh I'm feeling really depressed and it's like you know you don't want to talk about it just make it normal and then just actual helpful resources I guess to help people get through it so people don't just do nothing if you've got a flu you know what you, t- you need to do to get better so it's like if people feel like okay one they can recognize that they have this issue so teaching about the symptoms and the next it's like what can I do to get out of this what's the next step so actually yeah I don't know teaching more about it educating people more about it Well, we have come to the end of this episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I want to say a big thank you to Alex for being my special guest on this episode's pod and addressing some real stigmas and taboos that I'm sure have not been spoken about too much before. As always, thank you to all the vendors who tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give us a share on social media, tell your friends or work colleagues about it, or please support us on patreon that's www.patreon.com slash vent help uk or if you don't feel like doing that you can give us a review and a rating on apple podcasts we hope to check in with you again very soon and remember it's always okay to vent to vent